Welcome to Finding My Yum, a sex-positive podcast celebrating all forms of sexual expression. Each week, we bring on a new guest to share their journey. We talk honestly and openly about what they're into and what sex, kinks, love, and more look like in the real world. I'm Jerry Courtney Austin. And I'm Will Lentz. And we are your hosts. And today, we are thrilled to have LP Watts here to talk all about sex education. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was terrible. It was something, you know. Um. Yes. So we actually recorded this before uh, COVID nineteen hit the United States. Uh, before we went into quarantine. So please do note that. Um. I think it comes up actually at the very end. Uh. Because I think it was circulating uh around the globe. But uh, this was pre COVID here. So. We're bringing it back because we thought, you know, with kids staying home and not going to school largely across the United States and hopefully to stay safe, that this is such a good opportunity to talk to kids, um, to your kids. If you have kids, um, if you're thinking about having kids, like ways to engage and discuss sexuality, sex education, pleasure, consent, body autonomy, um, all these different things that I know can be uncomfortable conversations for for adults and for parents specifically. Um, yeah. And uh, so I, I think it's a really uh, nice addition to to the conversation right now because I think yeah. it's, it's important. Yeah. I mean, I think I remember mentioning uh, on the episodes where we talked about my uh, growing up in education, like yeah. I got a book and that was about it. <laughs> and so like, right. yeah, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, I turned out fine, but at the same time, there's a lot of other stuff that you, you could do with your kids if you have it. So uh, hopefully yeah. this will give you some ideas um, as, as, as you're with them more. And what's really cool is that, um, you know, Mrs. Watts is in Georgia and she actually works in a religious community within a church doing this work. Um, she's getting her doctorate in uh, like her thesis is sex education. Um, but she talks a lot about dealing with, you know, religious conservative folks and and what that conversation looks like and, and how and how these these aspects um, can can really threaten adults and and parents when they're talking to their kids because it brings up a lot of their own stuff, you know. So um, this is split into two parts. This first part is really on what she's looking to implement for sex education, uh, the three C's, which you'll find out what those are, and starting to kind of talk about how she operates her small groups with adults and different questions that kids typically ask about sex and sex education Um, and then yes part two will be next week and that will focus more on actual how she deals with parents how parents can can deal with their kids and talk to their kids about sex Um, and then and then fears and how to deal with it as a parent dealing with your children and having those conversations yeah there's a lot there Um, we're really excited to bring it to you I guess this is the first of the um, ones that we recorded pre-COVID. Uh, it is. We had a number yeah. that were in the book, and some of them don't feel it was appropriate anymore, but the timing yeah. of this one just kind of made sense, and the content was great, so we wanted to share with you guys. Yeah. So, without further ado, please enjoy. Woohoo! Yay! Welcome back to Finding 
welcome to Finding My Yum. I'm so excited. Today we have LP Watts here, who is a licensed clinical social worker, doctoral candidate of psychology, a mom extraordinaire. Um, and I'm so grateful to have you here. You're in Atlanta, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so thank you for connecting with me over Zoom. Um, I think it's really cool. We've done a bunch of interviews now with people across the country um, and just gotten to connect, uh, you know, because of technology. And I think that that's like one of the coolest things that's come out of the technological age is, uh, you know, you can lean into connection if you really want to. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thank you for your time. I'd love to hear like your background and sort of, um, well, we were connected through this, actually, this is cool. We were connected through Instagram. <laughs> Um, and you said actually that you went to the same sex education course as Dr. Amy, um, correct? Well, okay, kind of, sort of, sort of. but sort of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. So how I found you was um, when Dr. Amy died. Yeah. Um, I was just kind of looking for articles about her. I met her at a sex therapy and sex education conference. So that Got is it. the connection. Yeah. And so that is um, ASECT, the American Association of Sexuality Educators, Therapists and Counselors, or Counselors and Therapists. Anyway, so but we were both members of that. And uh, so I was looking her up and I saw that she had been on your podcast. And so I just flipped through and I thought, oh, this is great. This is great stuff. And then I clicked follow and then you check my stuff out and like the rest is history. So yeah. Fun, right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think I was just really touched that, you know, out of tragedy, other connections and, and like beautiful things can come out of it. Which yes. Is, yeah. Just a, a nice reminder. Um, yeah. And so I'd love to hear about your background, um, you know, what drew you to social work initially, and then the the decision to then move into um, a doctoral of psychology um, with a focus of sex education, as I understand it, correct? Yes, yes, yeah. that's exactly correct. Um, okay, so so you mentioned that I'm a mom, and I am. I have a son that's um, just on the cusp of 18, and when he, I was a stay-at-home mom with him, and when he went off to kindergarten, I realized, uh, I was really bored. He was my only child. We were not going to have more kids. And I thought, gosh, I, I just don't know how much tennis I can play or right. You know, how many times <laughs> I can go to Target. <laughs> so I thought, okay, well, I'll, um, I'll go back to school because I was volunteering a lot. And I thought it would be really great to be, to learn how to be a better volunteer. So I thought social work would be a good way to do that. And when I was Where there, were you volunteering? Uh, just in various organizations in my community, everything from women's shelter, the women's shelter to a community um, clubhouse. Uh, I mean, just anywhere that yeah. needed help that I thought looked like fun. So, um, yeah. And so I did learn quite a bit in that master's program. It was fascinating. Um, and I worked in a community organization as an intern. And I realized working with young people that there really was a need for uh, broader conversations about sexuality. So that sort of planted the seed. And then, uh, and then I graduated and I worked a little bit and then uh, I went back to school. And that is where I decided that I would focus on sex education and conscious sex education. So my, my program is PhD in psychology, consciousness and society. Mm. 
So it's not a clinical uh, program. I do my clinical work as a counselor through my license as a social worker, a clinical social worker. So, oh, got it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of different ways to be a counselor for people. <laughs> okay. That I took, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And also, too, my mom was a sex educator when I was a child. She was a nurse. Oh. And, yeah. And she used to teach uh, a sex terminology, sexuality terminology course at the community college for adults. And I used to go with her. So I'd sit under the table at night at the community college in the back of the class, eating my little snack and pretending like I was napping, right? Because they were talking about, you know, grown up stuff. Yeah. But I listened to everything and learned quite a bit. And uh, so that was another seed too, right? That headed me in this direction. So uh, did you grow up in Atlanta, in Georgia? No, no. No. <laughs> um, no. So just, so coming, growing up with a mom as a nurse and a sex educator, what was your sex education and then just like perception of sex, if you wouldn't mind sharing, like I, I would imagine it would be more open, but I, I don't actually know. Yeah. So it was pretty open, actually. My parents, um, you know, I'm 50, so I grew up in the 80s, I was born in the 70s. And my parents were hippies, so there it was very. Um, I grew up going to new beaches for vacation. Got it. <laughs> uh, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had a, a broad uh, group of friends, and you know, my life was um, probably very different than my son's life, who has been raised in a little bit more of a conservative environment for mm -hmm. a lot of different reasons and in a lot of different ways. Um, so yeah, so we moved a lot. You asked me about Atlanta. We moved a yeah. lot. I've lived in California. I've lived in New York and I've lived in Florida and I've lived in Atlanta. Got it. And through all of those different places, certainly, um, you know, I've picked up some of the attitudes and the vibes around me. Um, we've lived a lot at the beach or around the beach. And so I do think that um, living on, in a coastal environment can be a little bit different too, right? When you're exposed to people's bodies a lot more than you might be. Oh, people, sure. Right? Yeah, people yeah. covered up all the time, right? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so all of those stops along the way have influenced my work and where I am today. Yeah. Um, so then you are currently doing your doctoral at a um, Christ or a, a religious university. Is that correct? No, oh, no. <laughs> oh, the university <laughs> does not have a religious affiliation. No, 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 oh, no. I don't know where I got that from. Okay. Yeah. So I think you're probably referring to my work on a church campus. So okay. I work in a counseling center that is located on a church campus. So that could be where you you got that. Okay. <laughs> got it. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I thought from our conversation that that makes way more sense because I was like, this is crazy. Um, okay, so before we dive into the actual work and 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 things that you're looking to implement, what what were you particularly seeing that was lacking or what what is unconscious that you were looking to address by um by studying this and furthering this um through a doctoral in psychology and focusing particularly on this aspect of sex education and bringing consciousness to it right um yeah good that's a great question um so as a social worker um and particularly a social worker who was raising a child who was being exposed to sex education and, you know, in his little school and watching that unfold. Um, and then in the environments that I was working in, I kept thinking, gosh, 
you know, sex education is fascinating, right? So particularly here in the South, we're talking a lot about abstinence. And then if, you know, um, people want to feel a little progressive, then they're talking about comprehensive, which still isn't really comprehensive. It's still limited, right? Comprehensive right. sex ed. It's, um, it's a lot of anatomical discussion and then STI discussion right. from what that, that's right. the education that I received. Yeah, so it is broader, obviously, yeah. than abstinence only, but just call it comprehensive. I don't know if that's really fair, but um, but it definitely is a plus in that it is broader, right? Right. But coming from my social work background, I remember thinking, gosh, you know, how, how could sex ed um, be discussed in a way that focuses on social justice um, and not just personal health, but like health on a, on a bigger scale? Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, and then also too, uh, so I also have taught at a university and getting questions from students who um, have grown up in the South and are, you know, engaging in all sorts of activities, or at least maybe even just witnessing them on a college campus, but have had a very limited um, background in sex ed, whether it's through abstinence training or comprehensive training, I also noticed that there was not a lot of talk about the um, you know, emotional side of it, right? And so the personal side, the relational side. And so I felt like, hmm, there's a good big gap here that could be filled. And I may not be the person to fill all of it because that's super ambitious, but I certainly can sure. contribute. Um, and so then as, what what exactly are you focusing on like in in your doctoral what is there there's research i imagine that's being can you discuss at all like what your research is particularly focused on and how you're going about um amassing data in order to support um furthering this side of sex education yeah sure so the university where i have worked has this really great event every year, and it's a panel discussion where they bring in uh, sexuality professionals uh, to sit on a panel in front of students, and students are um, asked to text in anonymous questions to the panel, and then they're answered, right? And the questions that come in from that are, are so fascinating, right? They range <laughs> from super basic, you know, to just mind-blowing. Um, and those, those questions, I decided I wanted to do something with those. So I've taken the past five years to analyze, or I have not have been analyzing for five years, but I've taken the past five years of data and have decided to analyze those for psychological themes hmm. um, and themes of consciousness, and then weigh those against sex education curriculums that are considered you know more traditional right or more mainstream like abstinence only or um, comprehensive and then figure out how to inform a more humanistically oriented sex education right so it's more um, of the whole person and not just you know how do we prevent disease or how right. do we um, protect government funding right Right. Um, so what are the themes, if you can talk, like what, what themes are consistently coming up um, that you've noticed that sort of lend to this idea that there is a need for a constructive conversation to um, amend how we're approaching this type of education? Mm -hmm. um, okay, well, there are a lot of them. 
uh, but I'll talk to you about the more the ones I think are the most interesting. Sure. So one of the first ones that's super interesting is empowerment, mm. right? And I don't mean that from a big scary way. I mean that in a <laughs> personal empowerment, right? Or relational empowerment, right? Um, so that's a theme I think that is definitely worth exploring more and I plan on doing that. Uh, communication is also a big theme. Uh, I, I, I'm guessing that a lot of people don't come from environments where they have a lot of social mentors who are fabulous communicators, right? I mean, even if we grow up in very um, high functioning, highly socially functioning households, usually there's a, either an, an equity in the communication styles or, um, I mean, right? Because people come from different backgrounds. You take right. two people from different backgrounds and you put them in a family and then they have kids and then they're teaching them stuff. It's a, it's a mix of stuff. It's, it's hard to, to get it good, right? Right, <laughs> yeah. So, um, so that's an interesting theme that's coming up and to consider like, well, how do you, how do you work with people and how do you teach people successful communication skills when they've grown up in an environment that didn't feel successful to them or, you know, gave them skills that aren't helping them be successful relationally or to advocate for themselves. Right. Right. Um, so anyway, so that's just an example of like two very interesting topics, at least to me, that, um, you know, are coming up. And then, of course, well, wait. OK, so there's a third. <laughs> there's a yeah, third yeah. <laughs> and that would be the social justice part. Right. And so right. how how do my activities, my attitudes, my behaviors, um, you know, around sexuality affect a bigger picture? OK, um, so so. Absolutely, and that, those make complete sense to me. What are the, so how are you already impact, because I know you're already impacting your personal community and, and you're doing things to already begin creating a bigger conversation around this, particularly with adults as well, right, who have children or, you know, and participating in the sex education process of their kids and maybe themselves. Yeah. yeah. So wait, I was so, just curious. So what, because what are you currently doing? I know you're active in the community and active oh, already yeah. impacting, um, you know, to push these things forward and to, to begin to expand this conversation. That was my fault. Right. <laughs> that was me like, I was like, like, am I asking a question or just like trailing off? <laughs> no, I, I follow you. I got it. I got it. Um, Okay, so what am I doing? Yeah, so what am I doing? I, I do work with uh, my community. So one of the ways I've worked with my community is by teaching, okay? Um, and that's a somewhat limited uh, because, you know, especially teaching at a university, I taught, I taught introduction to psychology. And I tried to slip as much sex education in there as possible, but of course that's not necessarily what the students were signing up for. So I had to be very careful with that and certainly ask permission, you know, before I presented material to these students and also keep in mind too, that some of them may not be 18. And so that's okay. a fine line there too, that you have to make sure you pay attention to. So that's one thing. Um, the other thing I do is I go and I speak to parents in private settings. Okay, and I call that sex ed salon. And that is just a fun gathering of parents who, you know, maybe they have some cocktails and some hors d'oeuvres or yummy brunch. And we talk about 
the questions that I have from the college students and I, you know, discuss those with them and I say, hey, listen, now I'm not going to tell you how to answer these questions because that's a matter between you and your family and, you know, how you do that in your household is up to you. But I feel it's important on my end to share what I'm seeing so that I can help you prepare yourself for the sex ed that you're going to give at home. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So these are groups, uh, they're relatively small groups of adults, mm -hmm. right? Are they couples and individuals depending to couple do, do partners come together? So that would be ideal and okay. certainly have to work with plenty of men <laughs> and couples, but usually it's moms. Okay. Got it. Which is interesting because if you look at research on parent child sex ed, there is kind of a gap right. in, in dad communication. I mean, I don't want to be sexist and say that all dads, you know, aren't good at that because certainly there are some who are, but for the most part, if you look at reports from students or, um, you know, you, you look at the research, usually kids are getting any information at home about sexual topics. It's usually going to be from their mom or their siblings, their right. older siblings, not so much dads, right. which is, you know, something we could probably work on. And, and I hope to help improve too, right? By helping, um, helping parents gain a vocabulary around sexual topics and gain some insight around what is current in sexual topics of interest to students. So how do you deal, because I think this is the most interesting component of this. And, I, and so particularly being in the South and dealing with, parents of all types, um, but there's a big religious Christian presence, particularly in the South. Um, so, so how do you address those, the questions that you're, you're talking about, um, that the college students are asking, you know, how do you sort of marry these two ideas of there's a religious ideal and a religious presentation of what relationships and sex look like? And then there's also the reality of how bodies are changing and exploration and what kids are interested in and encountering, you know, on a daily basis. Um, and so particularly with parents, how do you marry those ideas and maybe even begin to tap into um, parents own insecurities and uncertainties about this stuff too uh because maybe they didn't receive you know proper or comprehensive sex education at all either yes you're right so i actually just gave a talk to a sunday school a large pretty large sunday school class about three weeks ago and the first question i asked the parents was and it was the parents um of teens who are college bound and I asked, how many of you had sex education uh, growing up? And, you know, a few of them raised their hands. And then I asked, well, what did that consist of? And it was not very impressive. And everybody kind of laughed about it, but also realized, hmm, you know, the environment that we grew up in was not, uh, not super communicative about sexual topics. And so 
okay, that's fine. But now what does that mean for us now as parents? And that's when I asked them, you know, like I, you came here, obviously, you know, you, you're interested in this and you know that there's a need to have these discussions. So like, what, how do we do this and remain spiritually and religiously sensitive, but then also give our children the information that they need? Because if you read these questions behind me on the blackboard about what college students are asking, I'm pretty certain that you are not addressing them in your, your little birds and the bees talks at, at home. You give me a couple examples of the questions that you're talking about? Sure. Um, just off the top of my head, I'm trying to think of some of the more unique ones. Um, <laughs> okay, so there are always going to be questions about pornography and in um, how, how am I in relation to pornography or por how people are depicted in pornography, right? So, oh, okay. So, so that's always interesting to present to parents, right? Because, um, you know, when we're teaching general sex ed, more than likely you're going to use some kind of biological model where there's just a picture of here is female genitalia, here is male genitalia. Well, now we know that there, there could be differences, right? Yeah, and, of course. And I say could be because when I'm speaking to the audiences that I speak to, that's the kind of language I have to use. Instead of saying, we know for sure that there are, I'd say we've got to consider that, you know, there are people who do not fit within this binary, right? Ah, I see. Okay. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, so it's a gentle, it's gentle communication, right? It's not, this is a fact and you've got to do it this way. And I'm here to share this with you or tell you how to do it. I present, look, this is what's, this is what research is showing. This is what the students are asking. So we've got to figure out how you can meet your child somewhere in this mix, right? Right. Take this information and get comfortable with it and then bring it home and present it in a way that you're comfortable with, that you think your child will be comfortable with. And also knowing that if you don't present this information to your children, they're going to find their answer someplace and that could be dangerous, right? Because it may not be accurate information. It may be uh, real-time information, right? The last time you want your child to um, figure out how to put on a condom is like in the middle of that first act, right? Sure. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, so anyway, so, so this, this, this topic of like, how do you blend Christian ideology, which is the community that I work with the most, right. um, with the reality of what college students are dealing with. And by the way, I work in, a, and I, you know what, now that I think about it, I'm thinking about why you would have thought I, I worked or I went to a Christian college university because I work in a very rural area of Georgia in a okay. university that has a high population of conservative Christians. And I okay, think maybe that is it. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. So a lot of my students identify as conservative Christians, but yet the questions that they ask indicate to me that they probably are stepping outside of their faith foundation um, with sexual ideology. Interesting. Right? Of course. Totally. Yes. Uh -huh. Yeah. And you can imagine how complicated that is, right, for them, right? So you've got young people who are, you know, trying to figure out um, not only how to navigate a college campus, their grades, learning how to be a young adult, then how to figure out who they are as sexual beings, but then also weighing all of this against th this, um, you know, very specific uh, model, right? Right. So, uh, I try to be as not. Can you just describe, just so that we are all on the same playing field of like, what what is 
the conservative Christian model that they are, that foundationally that they're taught and that now we're diverting from with these questions? Sure. So I would say most of my students would say that their conservative Christian model would be that you are born male or female, regardless of, um, you know, what your body looks like, okay, or how you feel inside. And then you grow up and you uh, are going to marry uh, uh, someone of the opposite sex, okay? Mm -hmm. And then uh, you are going to reproduce, <laughs> Right. Okay, so, so like very traditional ideology, okay. and there's really not much room for anything outside of that. And if if there is something outside of that, then it's considered either deviant or it's considered um, fixable, right. <laughs> workable, right, yeah. changeable, um, optional. Okay. So that is how I do um, understand most of my students. Um, you know, how they, how they see that path set ahead of them. So when, when you're talking to adults and parents then that also, at least at one point or now particularly in the community are subscribing to this idea of um, relationship and this binary. Um, so, so I guess I'm all, I'm curious a little bit of, they're coming to these seminars, so they are interested in opening their mind or getting more information, but are their minds sort of blown? <laughs> like, I imagine there's just this moment where they're, they're like, oh, 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 wow. Uh, my kid is having so many more thoughts and processes and, and experiences than, you know, as a parent, maybe you want to think of your kid having, right? Because it, it's difficult to see your kids being sexual, just as like it's difficult for kids to see their parents as being sexual beings, right? Sure. And yes. so, um, yeah, I'm kind of curious of the response and how, and then how you do sort of begin to articulate and, and, and move this needle like a little bit forward of like, you know, yeah, this marrying of ideas is so fascinating to me, and I'd, I'd love for you to continue speaking on it because it, sure. it feels yeah. very challenging. Right, and, and, and it is challenging, right? And, and it's threatening. Like you just said, you know, it's really difficult usually. I mean, I don't want to speak broadly, but sure, know, sure. most people I talk to find it very difficult to view their children as sexual beings or potential sexual beings, right? right. Um, so that is why I always promote my three C's model, which is um, consciousness, compassion, and curiosity, right? And so I'm not out to tell people, hey, you need to give this up to see your child this way, or you need to think this way, or you need to teach them this. There's th that is not my approach at all, at all. And I make that very clear when I talk to groups. Um, but what I do say is that you know, I'm here with these questions that are from students that are close to your children's age. So even if your child is not going to be interested in asking these questions themselves, they are going to be exposed to people who are asking them, right? And so if right. that's the case, 
you know, it's important to not only maintain a sense of consciousness, compassion, and curiosity ourselves, but also to hopefully um, instill that in our children as well, right? So consciousness would be, um, okay, so let's just say we're at a little workshop and I would say, okay, so consciousness, consciousness, are you, are you acting from a place of like, I am here right now thinking about my child's needs, my child's health, my child's sexual trajectory, or am I so stuck in my, um, what I have learned, right? right? What I have, what I have learned, can I get outside of that box for just an hour while this, this woman, uh, me, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> about what is out there and that my child is going to be facing. And as a parent, because I love them so much, I want to, you know, support them and I want to be there for them and I want to help educate them. And so, so how do I move past my stuff, which I think you mentioned earlier in this right. interview, right? My stuff, how do I move past my stuff to recognize what it is that my child needs, which actually is for most parents, a very natural way to think, right? Because if you think about great parents, they're constantly putting their own stuff aside to help their children or, you know, make sure their children are well taken care of, right? Correct. And so I, for some reason or another, it's very hard to do that with sexuality. Well, um, I, I guess the, the follow-up I would have to that is, Yes, and because I think some of it is very unconscious, so it's difficult to put your stuff aside when you don't even know that it's there and that it like that it's preventing other things from coming up or from allowing any kind of exploration for your child or you know for a different person to experience. Yes. Yeah, you're right. So consciousness, and and there are questions that I ask, right? Because it's a whole little workshop, and so I ask questions like, you know, where did you learn about sex ed? And, you know, what were the primary messages you received from your mother? What were the primary messages you received from your dad? What were the primary messages you received from your siblings? Right. So we get, a, you know, you work on um, getting an understanding of what it means to be conscious, right? And so then, and then I ask people too to think, okay, so like right now, based on what you do in your life and the experiences you've been through. Um, you know, are you operating from a place of consciousness or are you, you know, just falling back on these old tired scripts or maybe not tired. That's judgmental. Sorry about that. <laughs> but, but certainly probably pretty tired to your teenager. Are you present? Right. Um, so that would be the consciousness part. And then the compassion part would be, you know, I mean, it's, you want to have nice manners. You want to be nice to people. You want to work <laughs> in the world and be kind, right? Yeah. And so we we promote that for our children. I mean, as early as you know, in on the playground, be nice, include everybody, right? Play play with everybody and share and. Um, you know, don't be mean, don't act ugly. And then all of a sudden, you know, now we talk about sexuality and that's not a part of the conversation. So, right. Right. Because yeah, we course. are not acting consciously. We are reliving these scripts. We're living out these, these, these scripts. Right. Um, so compassion and then, uh, and then curiosity, right. It's, it, I can definitely understand why there are sexual attitudes and behaviors that seem threatening and not just to particular religious communities, but to anybody, right? Because anything that's outside of your comfort zone, for whatever reason, you've created this comfort zone for yourself. Um, and anything that's outside of that can seem weird or threatening or just, I don't know. Um, 
That being said, you, you can be curious about something and maintain a little bit of a distance from it, right? So that it's not threatening to you. So I would say, and I, and I use this a lot because I, as a therapist, as a counselor, I certainly counsel plenty of parents who have children who are exploring their sexual identity or their sexual activities outside of what the parents find to be acceptable. Sure. And so I tell them, well, you know, it's one thing to stand in front of your children and talk at them, right? But are you talking with them? Are you in a dialogue? And what does that look like? What, or what do you think that looks like? Or what do you want that to look mm. like? And how can you get curious about why your children are, um, want to talk about these things or why they're interested in these things, right? And then as you start peeling the layers of that, um, you know, we always say in therapy, like peel the onion, dig the layer, whatever. It's just this cheesy thing that we always say. But it's, but it's kind of neat, right? Because you think, if you think of peeling layers. So if I'm curious, well, you know, first of all, where did you even get this idea from? Second of all, what does it mean to you? Third of all, how do you envision yourself doing this? Um, right? So you can just keep asking questions and questions and you give your children the opportunity to talk and, and share with you who they are or who they might want to be or who they're mm-hmm. becoming. And as a parent, if that is not the most valuable and beautiful thing that you can experience, I, I don't know what is, right? But have a genuine conversation and really get to make your, your child know that you are available to them, sure. right? Right. But we, but we throw that out the window when it comes to talking about sex. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because it, yeah, we've, we, we've, we've also relegated sex as like such a taboo, uh, almost, I would even say, especially in the framework, we're talking about extracurricular activity, mm-hmm. you know, other than just for reproductive, you know, ideas. Oh boy. Boy, oh boy, 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 oh boy. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, this is, I was like, I'm doing an extra I know. beat. I usually only do one. Um, <laughs> it was really nice. I hope I was she like, appreciates oh, it. <laughs> <laughs> always. I will always appreciate it. Um, yes, yeah, so that was part one. So please get excited for part two, which is coming next week. Uh, and you can check out um, Mrs. Watts and what she's doing on Ask Mrs. Watts on Instagram, because uh, I don't think we cover that in this episode, but uh, she's got a lot of awesome resources. Her Instagram is full of interesting information, so check it out. Uh, as always, please follow, like uh, our Instagram and Facebook pages at Finding My Yum Podcast. We post like a bunch of behind the scenes and quotes and fun things, so stay a part of our community. You can email us at findingmyyum at gmail.com. Um, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, hang out with a friend. Well, don't hang out with friends until you're allowed to, but do it on Zoom and then have them screen share uh, their own iTunes as they go to subscribe on uh, to Finding My Yum as well. Um, yes, you know, please do that in social pressure. Zoom activity. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> uh, maybe write a review one word at a time. It's a fun improv game. You'll love it. And share it with um, 71 people this this week. That's a good number. I yeah, like it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that's it. We haven't done this in a while. I feel rusty. I think we did. It. I think we did a good job with it. Hit I us up. Let us know if you think we didn't. If you think we didn't, we'd love to hear from you. Um, stay yummy. Stay healthy. Please stay inside and wear a fucking mask. Love you. <laughs>